You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. From Chicago, this is the Chavrusa. I'm Avram Kivalevich. And I'm Kalman Morch. Kalman, we can't escape the fact, despite the fact that we are Teirah Dikayidin, rabbis, Rabbi Kalman Warch, Rabbi Avram Kivalevich, we can't escape the fact that we are careening towards uh, December 25th, the Christmas Day. Um, when we lived in, uh, when we weren't in Israel, when we were learning in yeshiva, we di- it didn't even register, right? That, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, in Eretz Israel, it's really not, it's not a factor. But in America, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And you're right, in, in this year, you know, especially um, with what's going on. One of the things that we as, as Jews sometimes have, have sort of a, a problem with, and sometimes we're amused by it, and, and sometimes I guess some of us are even troubled by it, is that it's almost like a Yom Kippur um, type of sensation that wafts over uh, the Christian world, which is now is the time to be good. Now is the time to to be native. Now is the time to give tzedakah, and now is the time to to bring out the best uh, of what of at least that is a lot of what we we see. And well, and, and, yeah, I, I think that's a, sort of the uh, you know Hallmark uh, Channel or Hallmark Cards kind of approach to it. Are you still seeing that? Are you still seeing that the emphasis is on? Is on being a better person and doing good deeds because because maybe maybe it is just the the what I see when I was growing up was much more of a it became it became very commercial over the last couple of decades even for them beyond their own look the world we we, you cannot divest yourself completely of a commercialized globalized economy world so and we know that's the engine have to go this far into. Uh, point out that even to the non-Jews, even to the people who celebrate um, this holiday, it's taken a change over the years and it's moved a lot of, uh, away of very far from the original um, perspective and intentions of the people who are developing the well, holiday. Well, look, it's become its own own little thing. Well, look, and, his, and, his, his historians will tell you that you know that Christmas was really a, a byproduct of. Uh, a very big Germanic push in the 19th century that what was happening originally was that Easter was the main holiday because that obviously extolled the major principles of Christianity, the resurrection and the eternality of Jesus and salvation. And Christmas was always considered very much sort of a merrymaking time. um, And and because it had, had pagan roots and then in the 19th century, especially, especially in the United States with the German immigrants that came here, they pushed it as not just a time to drink, but a time for families, a time for uh, inspiration. Um, and, and, and Christmas itself went through an evolution from being this Saturnalia uh, that we know from, uh, from Chazal even. And, and obviously it was that pagan part of Christianity that was able to bring converts in originally, but even for many, many years, Christmas and, 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 and St. Nick and all those images were not as prominent as they are started to be about a hundred and something years ago. What happened then, Colin, was that um, it switched from a day, as I said, you know, just to get boozed, which is still obviously what happens in many places, but to a day to actually shore up 
the positives of what it means to be a true Christian. And, and in that sense, um, look, we all know the New York Times uh, would come out with, now it's time to give, and they would publish publish all the people that were giving tzedakah. Even the, the pardons that occur uh, in the governments, most of them occur around Christmas time. It's like now is the time for, for, for the governor to show that he is able to be mochel you. And maybe now is the time that we can be makabal your tshuva. And, 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 and in other words, what I'm trying to say is, let's, and we're going to talk about the religious parts in a minute. Take away the tinsel. Take away all the other symbolism. We have to admit that there was a, a tremendous current of being a good human being now and, and 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 reaching out to people goodwill towards all men and when i was growing up i guess what disturbed me was how it disappeared right in other words it would be like okay but for this week we're going to be embracing we're going to feel good you know as well as i do come and it occurred uh, there was that incident which which i think is true that the armies during World War I, uh, that there was a, a, a truce that was held uh, between the French and the Germans on Christmas, where, you know, they, despite the fact that they were locked in, in battle to kill each other, to basically destroy each other's countries, Christmas they decided that they would actually come together, put their weaponry on the side, and get together and sort of have like a Christmas dinner together, and, and, and put, the, put aside war and conquering for some greater ideal. So we need, I think we need to own up that human beings have shown incredible, beautiful midos. I wish it would last. I wish it wasn't artificial, yeah. but there was, it was definitely going on during the Christmas season. I hear your point about how uh, it's, it's sort of missing. I think if we take you know, just a few hundred years in, in Europe, you know, I'm, I'm from Europe. That's not what... It was about the the this time of the year was the most frightening time of the year for the Jews. It was the time when anti-Semitism was um, almost a, 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 a what's the almost a holy thing to do was to was to punish the Jews. And I think that it's hard for me, and maybe you can help me with this. It's hard for me to allow a, a positive sort of view into something. That has so much of my ancestors' blood on its hands. Yeah, well, look, I think it, it, it aligns up to what I was saying that the celebrants of Christmas were the grubbest elements. Those were the guys that would go out and and and, and being intoxicated. Let's go out and beat up some Jews. So even though there was this cold truce that occurred in many cities in Europe, where the Jews were able to stave off. Um, the Christian assaults and the priests and the, and, and, the, and the governors would somehow rein them in Christmas Eve, not because of it was such a religious night, but because it was such a wild night, because it was a night of that the, the, the bands were going out there, like the lowest element of the quote unquote Christians. And therefore, the, it was almost like a Kristallnacht where, you know, people would be uh, would be assaulted and killed, and yeah, I so, agree. I agree with you. It was, and I'm, I'm not attacking the individuals either. We're not talking about Christians here. We're talking about the the holiday, and and I, I guess I'm saying it like this. I want you to address this point if you would as well. I've been told by many Jews that they feel a sort of 
I hate to say this, but a warmth when they walk by the twinkling blue, red, and yellow, and green lights, and they just say, it's just really beautiful. It's some, There's something, something within them, and I have trouble seeing it that way. I don't see it that way. And so maybe my, my lenses are, are discolored, pun intended here. Yeah. Well, you know, we know there are neighborhoods, as you know, that people go to visit just to drive around the streets and Saganash, where I used to live, to just want to see that the incredible amount of decorations and the money, of course, that goes into making these decorations. Um, and, and you're asking a good question. From a luck standpoint, as well, is, is going to these homes, like taking a walk and going to these homes and admiring the Christmas decorations, is that sort of like being connected to an Avedizora? Is that like being connected? I think you're, I think you're right for bringing it up as a, also a halachic issue. I don't think I was coming from that perspective. I think I was more um, just, it, it just doesn't feel the way that other people feel it. But you're right in terms of a halachic question, it could be raised as well. I mean, what's and you know, teaching your children to to enjoy someone's creative work for the sake of their holiday, which is um, you know, for us that's idol worship. Maybe not for them, but for us it is. And so you know, that that itself should be a problem. But again, I'm coming more from the how how do people see the cheer, knowing knowing how much story there is there. Well, look, you know. In some ways, you know, I, I would use the the argument that that I use to people who can't stand that uh, so much of America is into sports, and that uh, um, and what I tell people is, look, you don't have to be into sports, but realize how much that how little crime and other terrible things are going on while everybody's assembled in front of their TV or in their state in the stadium uh, watching the game. Um, in a similar way, whatever you, the, the fact that so much energy is being put into those Christmas lights and uh, the decorations, and we know that that itself limits negative antisocial violent behavior. So that itself is good. And let me just take this one step further. Well, Hang on, that. just one, one, one step further. Okay. I don't know if there's a commensurate uh, ratio between Christmas decorations and true religious devotion. It might be, based on what you're saying, there's people who their whole religion is the Christmas decorations, and then they don't keep any of the, even the Ten Commandments at all, but their house is somehow full of these lights. I, I, I think about Chevy Chase in, in one of the movies that he made, I think I forgot which one it is—the Christmas Vacation movie, whatever it is—that I saw those parts. Like you know, the, there's no there's no Christianity in terms of real religion, but you got to get all the decorations and all the lights on. But if if that's not true, if there is a connection, then I'm happy to see those lights. In other words, if they if it, if there really is true religion there, then I believe that since America, especially where we're both living. I don't believe true fervent religion leads to anti-Semitism and the type of slaughtering that occurred to our relatives on Christmas Eve. So I really believe that it's a, it's a truism that here in the U.S., the religion that's being practiced in such an ostentatious and I would hope authentic manner with all the, despite 
the amount, maybe the, the amount of, of lights and electricity and waste of energy, maybe people would want to comment on. But I'm happy there is these religious Christians on my block. And when I see when I see them there, I'm saying, you know what, this is more of a religious community. And I think they're going to have more tolerance. Again, it's counterintuitive. But I believe that the more religious, I, the more religion I see on display, the more I believe it's going to invoke positive things for me. Now, th- now does that mean? I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think that um, for, for Jews in general, although Christianity has in the past been very um, harsh in their treatment of us, I, I do think that um, the United States has figured out a way of, of getting Christianity to sort of um, be nicer to the Jews, and I'm grateful. We're all grateful, and 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 I do think that in general, people having belief in God and faith and Judeo-Christian values that that makes the world a better place. I, I'm going to agree with you with all of that. But I think where my question really comes in is not so much on my view of how the Christian will practice this holiday, which I'm in agreement with you, but more about how I feel about experiencing the holiday around me myself. Okay. And so, I think it's a big difference between us. So look, it's almost like, it's as a boy growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, which is one of the most religious large cities in the South. I, I, again, I don't know if it's still true, but at least a number of years ago, per capita, the amount of churches there was one of the largest of any city of its size. I grew up totally surrounded by the Christmas spirit, the feeling of of churches and caroling in the streets and other things that were going on. So, and my parents, Alea Masholem, did, I think, a very good job of trying to insulate, but the other time, give us inner strength that we knew that wasn't us. Um, but I can imagine that there were many kids seeing the beautiful decorations, seeing the type of joy, and as you say, the hallmark version of, of, of how beautiful that life is, not to be enticed by some of that. Even if it meant watching some of these feel-good Christmas programs that, that, that proliferate continuously, um, and um, yeah, the three best uh, movies it's a wonderful life home alone and die hard <laughs> okay i would say two out of three i agree with you are definitely very distinctive on, and, and, and i think significant films um you know home alone i have to belch a little bit and throw up for but um you know the uh it's again uh Look, you know, even Joe Pesci can't save Home Alone. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Joe Pesci to me is one of the is one of the jewels of 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 of, of movies in terms of what he can do with his character. But uh, again, Home Alone, uh, I can't really agree with you. <laughs> but an understanding, and as, as my parents, and I'm sure your parents as well, enough inner strength in our children that they don't get drawn in. As, and now, does that mean don't walk down that street because it's full of Christmas lights? We need to trust our kids that what we've given them is beautiful enough and strong enough that uh, that they aren't going to be seduced by that. And also, let me just say, before we move on to the meat of what I want to talk about, 
not to condemn completely either. Because I think it's easy to just teach your kids and saying, they're all shakronim, and even though they got those lights on, they killed your grandfather, and, and all of this is, 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 is avodazart, the worst thing, and you have to hate it, and you have to spit. I think that's bad too, because I think that, I, I think that type of attitude, although I can hear where you're coming from, I think that generates within a child um, a, a, a ugly citizen, an ugly connection to the, the, the majority population. And yeah, I, 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 I don't think we need to condemn. I don't think we need to be negative people at all. I, again, I, I think that um, I, I teach my children that um, a, a law-abiding Christian is Yeshua Chelek Lolam They have an easier time getting into Ghanaian than we do. And to, uh, to some degree, I mean, it's it's a um, it's it's certainly um, something we can tell our children as a positive thing, while at the same time telling them, um, you know, not this is not for you, and it really isn't. It's nothing compared to Kabbalah's altar, right? It's nothing compared to what we right. Have. And I think there's enough ingrained sort of like cynic cynicism that our kids might have to realize that there's an artifice to what they're seeing, and we could supply something every single Shabbos afternoon that has, in a certain sense, more depth and feeling than what goes on during right. Christmas. And before season. we do move on, I do want to point out that um, recently... Basically, if I could, I'd go back in a time machine and get into that room where the mensch and the bench was was being discussed and somehow, you know, pulverized the whole idea that it, 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 it sickens me when I see you know, the mensch on the bench decorations. There's a basically, as you know, what it is on Hanukkah. They have, they basically have a Jewish elf. He, he looks exactly, he's almost a carbon copy of everybody in Santa's, um, uh, you know, at Santa's factory. Except, yeah, I mean, this is a big subject. I, I think we should discuss it. At right, and, 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 and again, I, I understand the intent of the people who, who, who were involved in it. And actually, there's actually a, 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 an episode which you can probably catch on YouTube from a Shark Tank, where I think the mention the bench uh, came on the, the people who invented it. They came on Shark Tank, and it was actually surprise a intermarried couple that came up with it. It was what it was a uh, a Jewish guy and his and, and his and his uh, Gentile wife. I think we should move on from the Hanukkah yeah. bush. Yes. So, <laughs> jumping over the Hanukkah bush without getting uh, our bottoms burnt, let's talk about another holdover from Europe, um, not the fear of being slaughtered, but something that arose at that time when slaughterings were occurring, when the bands were out. And that is something which, you know, uh, Professor Mark Shapiro and others have delineated stretched backs hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, the uh, Hanoga of Nittelnacht, the Hanoga of specifically uh, not learning Torah on Nittel and other sorts of mitzvah activities. Um, now, right. Nittel- I, I just, uh, for, for those who are familiar with this, they're familiar with this. For those who aren't, just mentioning that this is a custom not to study on the night of the 24th leading into the 25th. Uh, and But it's it's you can't simplify it because there are many different um considerations there's many different there's different people have a different date january 5th january 7th you know there's all all different kinds of things some people only from sunset until midnight some people the whole night it it it, it gets pretty complicated but but the point is that there was a block of time where an in, 
entire communities prohibited the process of learning Torah on what is for Jews just a random night in the middle of the week. It could be a random Tuesday night because, you know, that night doesn't mean anything for us and there's just no learning going on. And that's a very strange, unique custom that um, people are trying to figure out, do we bring this with us or not? Yeah, now let me just, uh, again, Nittel, of course, comes from the Latin of Natalius Dominus, which, of course, means the birth of God, right? This is what, this is what the Nittel means. It's like the natal, the neonatal unit. Like, we know what, the, we know what that means. So it, it clearly is connected with the perception that started to arise, you know, incorrectly, that somehow Jesus' birth was on this day. Um, right. And I want to point out that even though historically speaking, we know that that's not true, not, meaning not only do we not believe it's not true, but even Christians believe that he was born somewhere somewhere when being born in a barn would be something you could survive. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, even they, but it, the reason why we believe it has power and the reason why the Christians believe it has power is because the day it's it's the day that's celebrated. Right. And, it's and, a, right. right. Isn't that important what the facts are? The, so many Christians, especially as the 19th century developed and even earlier, were connected to that day that the Rebbes and Poiskim even, uh, if you would take like the Munkatra, who was more, who was a Rebbe and a Poisik, talked about, even though it's not their historical day, but since so many of them find chizuk and strength out of this day, that somehow the, the tuma of this day is so great that our Torah can somehow be swallowed up. Now, normally you would say Torah is the biggest megan, right? We say when it comes to fight the Yitzhahara, the wording Torah, mashchula beis ha-medrash. If this is the day that Christianity, with all its ugliness and all the ugly power that, that is connected to, especially if you say that Jesus, we know that Jesus was a Jew who turned away from Judaism, you would think learning Torah would be the ultimate shield. And yet there is this perspective coming from the mystics and the Rebbes that somehow it's siphoned off. The, the, the Torah that we learn, we think it's protecting us, but really it's giving koyach to the Sitra Achra. Right, on this night, yeah, I, I recently, I, unfortunately, you know, I recently published, I say recently a few years ago, by someone in this community who s- supposedly did research and went to talk to Kabbalists in Eretz Israel who told him that there's no such thing as Torah ever being usurped, usurped by the other side and taken and stolen, and it doesn't exist, and it's one of these heebie-jeebie ideas that that modern people have developed and created. And so, and I was so upset because, first of all, no capitalist would ever say this. The Zohar is filled with references of people doing certain sins, for which the, that person's Torah is then taken to the other side, whatever that means, it's, uh, without getting into the complexities, that concept exists. And what I'm trying to say here is that there are many people who are sort of bothered by, well, we don't believe that if you study Torah that it can be contaminated. We don't believe in that kind of stuff. Yes, we do. You just weren't taught this because your parents may have been holdovers from the Sabbatean movement who so became so afraid of anything that's... Um, 
non-scientific that you uh, are paranoid that's going to make your children pagans if you believe this stuff. But I was just upset to see that a rabbi somehow today needs to say, no, 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 this custom came from only natural concerns. But the reality is that if you look at this farm, and as you're mentioning it, you're, you're pointing that out, this farm, the holy books do seem to suggest that according to many opinions, if you study Torah on this night, you are feeding the forces of evil with holiness. And if you don't understand that concept, good. I don't understand that concept either. I'm not a great enough Kabbalist. But I trust the Kabbalists enough that they know what they're talking about. And that not of all, all of, not every rabbi needs to be so arrogant as to say, since I didn't study this in 11th grade in yeshiva, therefore it has no room. Okay, look, you know, we know, as Mark Shapiro points out, that many great who say, Kalman, that if you're really a makubal and you know what you're talking about, you're going to hold of this idea. I'm, I don't know well, enough. But I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you're if you're a makubal and you know your stuff, you understand why some people would have this idea. I still think that you can say that no Torah done by kedusha, whatever can protect itself and all that. You can work your way around it, but to dismiss the idea as a silly. Um, um, I, I don't want to use the words that these people use about people who have these um, claiming that it's a sort of superstitious Judaism that has no place. I think that's wrong. And even a basic knowledge of Kabbalah would would tell you otherwise. Well, you know, I, you know, I grew up, you know, in Memphis under the influence of, although my father grew up in a Chassidish been as, as well as possible, been by but Rav Nota Greenblatt, who was a brisker and a litvak, uh, he was completely dismissive of this uh, of this minag. He thought it was narishkeit and silly, and that's what that's what I remember um, growing up. And and in yeshiva, of course, <laughs> Neri Yisrael had a normal seder. Um, uh, when you were growing up, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with halacha Esav Sonas Yaakov. You know, I, I grew up. Um, being raised that Nittelnacht is this terrible night with with the, the forces of evil of this night. And I heard stories about, you know, the rabbis playing chess and the Hasidim ripping toilet paper. That was, uh, that, that's, that's the way I grew up. And it was only later, later when I came to the yeshivas where they ignored it and I looked around and I said, nobody, everyone's just learning normally. That's such a strange thing. So right now, Kalman, as you are sort of a product of your youth and of your Shiva world uh, experience, so what would you do on Nittelnacht? What, what do you do on Nittelnacht? And what's, you know, we have the Harusa, because up until now, this has sort of been a discussion. Let's see if we can find some uh, area of debate. I, I, I don't learn on my own. On Nittelnacht, I find other things to do that are interesting to do. But I, I, I don't keep this meaning on other people's accounts. So, you know, classes that I would give or, or chavrusas that I would have, typically, unless they are also of the um, you know, personality to keep the rules of nittel, so I'm not going to hold it against them. But I generally do try to keep to the, okay. to the concept so, of nittel. I think it's... So, so, think so, it's, so if you weren't burdened by your oil as being a marbitz taira and people expecting you, you would keep nittel, okay? Certainly, so, certainly. So, that's, right. that's my minute, and I think it's an important... So, look, I am not going to tell people who have this minig from their families that they should just jettison it, because uh, that would be silly. First of all, my arguments wouldn't mean anything, and it would be 
uh, as you say, um, uh, it would be immature and um, unsophisticated and completely wrong to to try to enforce the mindset that I was raised on, and, and it would be dismissive of great tzaddikim like the Munkatra and others. However, let's say you have someone who is starting fresh, somebody who, a Balchuva, a Ger tzedek, Someone who's coming to me and saying, look, Rabbi, I respect you. What should I do on December 24th night? All right, so let me tell you what I do. Look, I also have Shurim at night, but even when I didn't, I learn. And um, and maybe it's from Nota Greenblatt's influence. I would like to think that it's my own avasatera. Um, I'd like to think that it, it's my own sense of, of, of that you know, I can learn and it won't be siphoned off. I've heard all the ideas um, and to me, I would say if a person isn't part of the tradition, I would say you should tell that person, of course, especially, you know, why not? You should definitely learn Torah as much as possible. And, but, but this I will tell you, don't, your Hasmata should be every night. It shouldn't be that I'm learning just to show that Nittal doesn't mean anything. That this should be the type of Hasmata you show continuously. You should not be gutterous. You know, I, I, what I have discovered, Kalman, is that the B'nai Eretz Yisroh, and this I, I recently spoke to a, a big Yodea, that even those that came from the communities that in Europe kept Nittal, there was a certain Hayra that the Mekubolim said that in Eretz Yisroh, this Koach doesn't have Shlita. But Nittal in Eretz Yisroh was somehow different. Um, that, and I can hear that, because, you know, part of the idea is the contamination of the air. Like, I, I think, I, I mean, this is the explanation that when people ask me, what is it about? I say, listen, Judaism believes that there's a concept of impure places. You can't study Torah in the bathroom. Well, what if you get locked in the bathroom all day? Well, then you better keep your mind clear all day. But that means you're going to go without learning. Yes, it means you're going to go without learning, right? That's the challenge of assuming bathrooms are real bathrooms and whatever. But, but, and so the way I was raised is that there's the concept of the toilet in time. And in terms of time, this is a dirty place. Uh, it, Say I'm using place interchangeably, but but it, it's it's a dirty time. It could be that in Eretz Yisrael, this time is not a dirty time, right? I mean, that's it, it, within that space. You're we not started as evidenced by the fact in Eretz Yisrael. Like I started our conversation today, you don't even it doesn't even register, despite all the pilgrims that are coming uh, generally. And, and even though I think the municipality of Yerushalayim and other things puts out a Merry Christmas sign, I think they do. For yeah, all... I think you're absolutely right. It doesn't have the it doesn't have the hold on people that so, it so, does here, and that's a proof that it hasn't gotten into the air. So, so I think if we would have a, a line of debate between us, I think uh, what I'm sensing from you, I might be wrong, that the Balchuva, the guy starting fresh. There's Rabbi Warch and Rabbi Kivilevich to talk to. Rabbi Warch would say, you know, if now, you I, would, could... I, would, I would clearly say to him, we have a beautiful custom where there's one night of the year. And I would say to someone, especially, and I, maybe you'll give me this at least, especially to someone who maybe grew up with a strong affinity towards that, I think that this would be a beautiful minute for every Jew to adopt, as if to say, I'm Jewish and. Um, you know, part of that, you know, Adam Sandler's, if you feel like you're the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's some other people who are Jewish. So another way of doing that would be, I think Nittel should be adopted by everyone. Right, which which I would say, especially if we're talking about a Balchuva or someone who has 
has been in a way mafute. Um, uh, He's somehow been seduced by that spirit and misses it. I would say the, the best way is not, oh, I'm not learning tonight because I don't want to give power to that. That used to draw me away, that monster. The best way to eliminate the monster under the bed is to ignore it. It's like it doesn't exist. I'm learning time. What, what there's a monster? Okay, Christmas. Okay, it doesn't mean anything to me. It means zero. You're dead. Meaning the, the ultimate opposite we know love and hate are very, they're, they're similar. The, right, right. You can't hate someone you don't love, right? right. But the, what, the way you could really progress is a complete apathy. Lose yourself in Tyra. Lose yourself in a Gishmaka Sugya. You're not even going to register. What's oh, Christmas? I'm worried about a Bayavarova tonight. And it doesn't, and, and, and that will, will, will take you so completely that you're going to be, you're going to go beyond anything and, and and believe me you that is this the way to strengthen so i would say if someone doesn't have the minog that it's that it's so weird and strange so based on a kabbalistic system of of, of what the klipas are able to do and be okay that someone a, a, a regular person should sit and learn and, and be makai mitzvahs let's talk about one other thing here friday night this week December 24th, this week is a Friday night. Now, I, I believe there is some question as to whether yeah. Nitto yeah, has power on Friday night. I would say you'd probably take the current people who keep Nitto, you'd probably cut that in half. Meaning that some people say that Friday night is holy enough that it can protect you from these damaging forces, especially those same Hasidim who have this custom, they recite before before Mariv on Friday night, they recite the Kigavna, and there in Kigavna they say, this is a special prayer, where we say that there are no destructive and damaging and prosecuting forces that have power on Shabbos, and that they're all shut down on Shabbos. Even hell itself shuts down. And and some say it's even related, I think Minigus Yisrael Torah quotes this, that it's related to the question of whether you're worried about 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on Kiddush on Friday night, which has the same debate of whether you can make Kiddush during the hour of Mars, so, so I know I'm for our listener. That's not fair because I didn't elaborate on that. But, but there are there is a debate as to whether this applies on Shabbos or not. And this year it uh, turns out this way. So I think here you would probably say that if we were if this uh, prototypical um, uh, theoretical person is coming to Warch and Kivilevich on this Friday night, you would probably say, yeah, after you finish the meal. Seven o'clock. Yeah, go to the base matters. Keep keep on learning. You would say that or not? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I'm still I'm still concerned. I I think that there would be more room to suggest <laughs> that someone should learn, but I I'm not convinced that because it's Friday night that uh, that that someone should just erase this beautiful minhag of of recognizing the dirtiness of the time. And, and I, I want to point out, I, just because you can't have a discussion on Nithil without mentioning this, um, I have mixed feelings about the famous Vart from Jonas and Ibeshitz, where they, where they asked him that we know the world can't survive without Torah, and if all the Jews take a night off of Torah, how is the world going to survive? And he said, Minig Yisrael Torah, that the custom of the Jewish people is Torah. And so sometimes, sometimes bitulo zeokiyumo, sometimes we can fulfill something by breaking it. You know, I, I, I don't know if I like that so much, that Vort itself, because the Vort seems to suggest that somehow we're still using Torah. And the whole point is that we're not using Torah. But but I, I, I do think I, I do think that um the idea of of not learning Torah because because 
this is a time of darkness. And I think that's such an important lesson that even if it doesn't apply on Shabbos, because technically the Torah can't be stolen from you on Shabbos, I still think that we have to somehow hold on to this minute because it's so important to us. Yeah, well, okay, I think you're, look, uh, without uh, any disrespect to any of my ancestors or yours, I would say that you're completely, you know, off your uh, Hanukkah bush on this one because, you know, this should be, um, you know, it should be a slam dunk that... What difference? Why are you making it so so obvious? Look, I believe especially these long Friday nights as a big Nisoyan for... Every night night you should be learning. I mean, why why, why should Shabbos change this? What I mean here is, I hear the difference. What what I'm saying is like this, a Friday... You're making it seem like Friday night? Friday night? That's the worst thing. There's no greater mitzvah of Limadah Torah on Friday night than any other night. On, 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 for Leil Shabbos, where the, you know, it's one thing during the week. If a person has his storim, uh, he comes back from work, he has his late mincha, his, 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 his mincha, his marav, he has his seder. As everything gets compressed in these winter Shabbosim, I think there's a big nesayan of what to do on these Friday nights. And if you're going to say, well, we're not going to learn Torah, we're not going to have the shear, you're not going to have your Seder, I think that, that is, uh, that, that's another way of undermining the specialty of, of, of what these Shabbos and these Friday nights should be, especially as we come into whether th- I might be mixing completely here by throwing in Shoivim, but especially I think that these Shabbos should be of the most Kedusha and the most Hanaga and learning. This. Let's just I, add- I hear you. I hear about Kedusha, but you, we, we both know that there are ways that you can make this night productive. I mean, on Friday night, you can't tear toilet paper, but there are ways of, of, of making this night productive that doesn't require Limadah Torah. And I, I'm not saying it should be a waste of a night. I'm not saying you should spend the night, certainly you shouldn't spend the night drinking and, and, and beating up Jews. Then you know that would uh, that would waste the whole point, right? And which is what many people end up. You know, they sit around the table drinking and beating up other Jews, Maybe, so, meaning insulting them and, and right. And on all them of that, they're, they're repeating the product, right? I, I do think, right. but 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 I, what, look, let me do to you that if you are part of that, the minhagim, to to do acts of chesed as well. Uh, you know, again, the idea of I'm ripping toilet paper tonight is also, to me, sort of disgusting. You know, I'm saying I'm ripping toilet paper because because this Christian environment that I'm around, the only thing that I can maybe use this time for is this is what's going to clean right, the feet. You're in the bathroom. You're in the That's bathroom. Right. Yeah, the I understand. Oh, right. So what I think, what I would do is, Kalman, is pasteurize this custom and say, okay, this is maybe a night to be, getting the tzedakah involved, uh, making the calls, calling the people who are the shut-ins to see how they are, maybe even in a way, which I think has already happened, although this might be a different topic, helping the Christians that we are connected to, to take over their uh, situations, to help them, uh, to show yourself, maybe you're not learning, but you can still do good actions. I'm what I'm worried about is you're going to say, well, you not, you shouldn't do any mitzvahs with Nitto. I don't no, think it's I, any... I'm, I'm not of that approach. I understand that there are people who avoid Dvarim Shabbat But I, I really think that the custom was made specifically for Torah in the same way that on Tisha B'av, we don't study Torah. So, 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 so I think there's a lot of good, even I will concede to you, even if you're not a learner, there's plenty of good stuff for you to do. And you don't have to feel guilty 
you know, being overwhelmed by your attraction to Christian things, you can actually roll up your sleeves and do a lot of good Jewish chesed community work, and, and you can get that done, uh, even, even if it means the people that you've been ignoring, uh, sending them some notes and letters. All of that, I think, is very positive, and I think that, to me, would be a sort of a middle ground between us in terms of, yes, okay, I didn't learn, but I sure did a lot of positive stuff. I wasn't just ripping toilet paper. Well, Kalman, I think that's, you know, uh, I, I look forward, Mir Tashem, to a time when this isn't even a Shiloh, because as we know, what we're really uh, hoping for is the... the, the a partridge the, in the pear tree. Yeah, or I was going to say the true Mashiach uh, to arrive. And as the Rambam tells us, from there, you know, there's going to be a complete Hakara. And and that'll be, of course, a Mo'aretzdeya, where, yes, everything is going to be about just advancement and greater learning. So we wish you a um, an interesting nitto. <laughs> right, we wish and, we wish you a interesting nitto this this Friday and, night and a seasoned tava. <laughs> yes, yes. Let, we'll always be besimchas. Rav Nachman would say, "Take care, everybody." Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 